the family, the domestic church is ideally modeling the holy family. In saying that, we have to stop and think, first, how many people today in modern in the modern world would even desire to model the holy family? Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our very special guest is Kathleen Beckman. She is the president of the Foundation of Prayer for Priests. She has served the church for 25 years as an international Catholic evangelist, author, and Ignatian retreat director, radio host, and is often featured on EWTN TV and radio. And for over a decade, Kathleen has served on the diocesan exorcist team and is the administrator of her diocese exorcism and deliverance ministry. And Kathleen, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Well, thank you. It's an honor for me to be with you. Well, you know, I read your recent book, and I highly recommend it to people. It's called A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And all anybody needs to do is look around in the world today and know that uh, spiritual warfare is almost feels like it's at its height. I'm sure it's been worse at different times, but when you're in it, it feels that way. But your focus is really on how the evil one attacks the family, right? That's right. Um, I, you know, work with a lot of and, and have been in formation and teaching with many exorcists, and there are wonderful exorcists books out there that I highly recommend, and they've covered a great deal um, in those books. I tried not to replicate that. I tried to really focus on what is occurring in the domestic church. And so, yes, uh, family, how the enemy targets marriages and targets our children and grandchildren and what we can do to defend and protect the family. Well, because we all know the family is the foundation of our society. It's the foundation of the church. So to think that the evil one's going to target it, we really don't have to look too hard and see what's happened to marriage, what's going on with gender ideology, you know, what's going on with all the vices and, you know, his ways of kind of entering and being that portal for him to get into not only people's lives, but families' lives. And family really is a target of his, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And um, the Holy Father has has said it very bluntly, if you will, or boldly, in saying that the devil does not want the family, and he will attack it in any way that he possibly can. And being a mother and a grandmother and being married over 40 years, I personally have experienced uh, the way that the enemy tries to come to literally destroy families. And also living in a world of distractions in the United States, although the book does draw on my experience in 13 different countries, but here in the United States, we can live a very distracted life uh, because of the abundance, if you will. And um, sometimes, Deacon, we just simply lose our focus on what's happening in our own home, what's happening in our relationships, in our you know, marriages and with our children because we are busy about many things. And so the book really tries to refocus us um, to really see with an eye of wisdom and discernment, how is my relationship doing with my loved ones and what can I do to help each and every single person in my family experience the love of God, the affirmation and the encouragement 
And are there any living within my home who are not experiencing true liberation in Jesus Christ? Or are they bound up in something, you know, uh, whether it's pornography or or other things? Um, even in the book, I talk about uh, there was a testimony there on gaming, video gaming, yep. from a former gamer. And so some of the video games are not benign and that our children are into um, as the as the testimony of a former gamer said, some of them are quite intentionally diabolical, leading people away. And by that I mean God is seen as bad and the devil is seen as good. And this is, you know, part of the battle. Yeah, well, it's the screw tape letters living out in reality. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I really liked about the book is you know, you, and you talked about it just a minute ago, right? There's a lot of responsibilities. Parents have a lot going on. But is there any greater responsibility for mom and dad than to protect the family, right? Bring Jesus Christ as the foundation and be the spiritual heads of the family to protect against this evil. And, you know, in chapter one, you mentioned, right, no, and I think it's a great reminder that no evil spirit can claim us unless we intentionally invite them in, right? This is an invasion of the body snatchers. They, we have to welcome them in through living lives of sin and vice and, and having those portals, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, they don't. Like you said, the, the, the demons don't just fly on us like a, like a fly or insect would. Um, you know, the Lord is very merciful about that. It is something where he's given us that freedom in our will. And uh, certainly we all deal with ordinary uh, demonic temptation. Um, and, you know, the church has given us an arsenal of how to deal with that, especially by um, you know, proclaiming the Word of God, the use of Scripture and spiritual authority, um, the parental, spousal, and baptismal authority, and exercising that. But yes, um, the portals are the the biggest one is really sin, and who of us is not a sinner? So right. you know, it calls for great vigilance and virtue. And so, the family, the domestic church, is. Ideally, um, you know, modeling the Holy Family. And in saying that, we have to stop and think, first, how many people today in modern in the modern world would even desire to model the Holy Family? And, and that desire becomes part of it. But in looking at the Holy Family, we realize God's wisdom um, in providing an example that He wants us to experience experience the spiritual beauty and depth of divine love and opportunity among our loved ones. Well, and I think, you know, it's a great reminder, and I think what you do so well in the book is not only identify the problem and how the evil one works, but you equip us to be able to, one, be aware of it, and two, how to handle it. And so it's not a, a, you know, a lost cause. This is a battle. We are the church militant, and we need to remind ourselves of that that this is not going to be easy. It never hasn't been for anybody. But, you know, in the book, um, you mentioned about five points that we must know for spiritual combat. Can you talk about that a little bit? Five points that we must know? Yeah, you what mentioned on, you yeah, I think it, it was in the uh, second chapter. It was like on page 39. But you talk about uh, the five vital points about spiritual combat that Cardinal Amato talks about. Uh, formation and spiritual welfare, discernment of spirits, 
Uh, Fatima informs us and confirms Mary's role. So, you, you know, you talk about a lot of things that, that should make us aware about what's, what spiritual combat not only is, but that it's already been brought to our attention. This shouldn't be news to us. That's right. That's right. And I'm looking at the page now that you were referring to. Yes, Cardinal Amato was, um, to give your listeners a little background, he was the professor at the Association of International Exorcists Rome course, and the title of the course is um, Prayers of Liberation from Evil. And he articulated, after making a case for um, the how the Fatima seers, you know, mere children, were chosen by God to really uh, engage in spiritual warfare uh, on behalf of the salvation of souls. And so um, some of the points he brought out was that formation in spiritual warfare, understanding, you know, that we're in a battle, empowers us to have authentic, victorious discipleship. And, you know, a lot of times when we are feeling demonic uh, or experiencing demonic temptation, vexation, oppression, something like that, uh, we will tend, we can tend to go into a victim mode. And so, but in fact, Christ, since we have put on Christ in, in baptism and we've been plunged into that beautiful dynamism of Trinitarian love, then um, we are authentically, uh, you know, discipled by God to be victorious. So we're about proclaiming the victory of Christ. We, you know, I always say that the evil spirits, they're really bullies. And so we, we need to address that, not allow them to bully us into thinking uh, that, you know, giving more power to an evil spirit than to Christ, who is always victorious, the Christ who has, you know, marked us by the sign of our baptism. And then um, he brings out the importance of discernment of spirits for evangelization. You know, there's, there's, as you know, Deacon, there's three spirits that could be operative in, in our families, and three spirits that we're trying to discern are, are the human spirit, the Holy Spirit, and an evil spirit. So those that right. threefold discernment of spirits. And Cardinal Amada uh, had Fatima on his mind because the next day he was going to uh, be at the canonization of the two Fatima seers, and he said... Fatima informs and confirms the Virgin Mary's role in the salvation of souls. So I want to say to that, uh, that, you know, when one is in the uh, formal rite of exorcism, one can see, since I'm on a team, I see how fierce Mary is. She is a fierce spiritual warrior, and the demons absolutely fear her, and and often they would rather leave than endure Mother Mary's, um, you know, intercessory prayer, her love for the soul that is, you know, undergoing this uh, right for liberation from evil spirits. Uh, the other thing I think Fatima teaches us that uh, he pointed out was children are capable of fulfilling their call. Yeah. to learn and live the art of spiritual combat. You know, in, I, I think I told this story in the book. When I was a little girl, my mom taught me that there was an, a good angel on one soul sh- shoulder and a bad angel on the other. And you better and listen really, to the good one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that really, I mean, even into high school, I would think, okay, which angel is talking here? You know? Are they on my right or left shoulder? Please let me know. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
the children can grasp these things. And then, you know, of course, Fatima points to Mary and the Eucharist as pillars of protection. And in the book, I, I really do develop um, almost a whole chapter on the Eucharistic uh, life, a Eucharist, developing a Eucharistic heart and a Eucharistic home. Yeah, I think one of the, that's one of the things I really liked about the book. You remind us of all the tools and weapons we've been given through our faith, through our guardian angel, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have everything we need, so there's no reason to be afraid. But, you know, later on, and uh, I think it's on page 54 or something, you mentioned five common entryways of the demon, and it's sin, wounds, inheritance, contracts. And the last one really piqued my curiosity. It says demons who choose us. And you mentioned that demons are extremely lonely. They have lost all possibility of love, and human beings are very consoling to them. Some pick us out saying, I want you. You can't destroy them, but you can chase them away. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, the, you know, how demons can choose us or, you know, we need to be aware of that? Yes. Um, first of all, I need to give credit to Father Dennis McManus, the most excellent and experienced wise exorcist who gave that teaching at the Avila Institute's conference recently. And that, that was his teaching, which I made good notes of. Yeah. And by that, what he's, what he's explained that more fully when he was um, a professor at the Pope Leo XIII Institute that trains the priest exorcist. And by that, uh, that the demons can choose us. Um, they will frequently, what he gave examples of is college campuses mm. that, you know, they're opportunists. Evil spirits are opportunists. And on college campuses, there's an opportunity in that. What happens? The young person is not protected by his family. When you're living with your family and you have good and holy, loving relationships, that is a spiritual protection for us. Now, you you take our, not to make people afraid to have college kids, but on... On top of how much you have to spend to send your kid to college already, right? Exactly, exactly. But, um, you know, a college student then becomes, they become vulnerable because they have, uh, they are, you know, not physically in the embrace of the protection of their own family, although I want to encourage parents and even siblings to pray much for those students that are away from home to really keep continuing the uh, deliverance prayers, the prayers of protection for them, but they should also be schooled and aware that, you know what, they're in a position now where they are making new friends and um, Father McManus would give the example that, you know, if a student feels an out, is like an outcast, is a loner, that's what the enemy will look for. Somebody who is alone, because when we're alone, we become more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Somebody who maybe feels a little bit rejected. I mean, they, they're keen observers, you know, and they also can hear words, you know, that are spoken. And so, um, Yes, they can. They can choose, and they tend to choose people that are very vulnerable. Um, and so, when you're alone, when you when you have a wound, and we all have a wound, and what happens is, and I speak from personal experience, and talk about the murder of my father-in-law, the wound that that created in my own heart. Um, when we are wounded, it Christ invites us to tend to that wound, to invite Christ into that wound, and the Church provides healing remedies 
so that that wound can be healed. And then that way um, you are more protected and less vulnerable from a demon coming and choosing you. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, I think, you know, we see that in, in the real world, right? Animals of prey go after the ones they can pick off and get alone. And the evil one's no go. different, right? He's a, he's a roaring lion out there looking for people. So the, the analogy and, what, and reality really come together there. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, you know, you've been, you know, you're part of the exorcist team. Um, you know, not talking about a specific case, but maybe in general, you know, how have you seen, you know, the, the influence of evil in a family just deteriorate that family? Well, and this is really what motivated me to what I have observed and heard. Um, it really motivated me to write the book mm-hmm. because, um, you know, when a person petitions the church for healing, deliverance, or exorcism ministry, they come there in spiritual pain. They may have some mental uh, challenges as well, or physical. A lot of times, you know, it's like when you go to a doctor, deacon, and what do they do? They take your history. And so a history, uh, we call it an intake form, intake questionnaire. So in our diocese, the protocol calls for the clergy, the priest, the parish priest will then meet with the person who's petitioning for ministry and will take their history. And as the administrator, then I facilitate and keep files and everything, so I see that history. It's very confidential because I'm the one then um, assigning, well, what's the, when is their appointment? Our, our bishop's protocol right. includes always a um, uh, one-time consultation with our team, a medical psychiatrist, just to see that they are well enough to you know, have the surgery, and is there another condition that they need to take care of? What's their medicine? And I explain that in the book. Are they on medication? Right, you do. Because, um, you know, the side effects of medication can can be um, really, they can mock in many ways some of the demonic uh, vexation. So anyway, uh, it comes down to, a lot of times, it comes down to abuse within the family. Some, whether it's physical or emotional abuse, some deprivation that they experienced as a child. And therefore, it doesn't mean that, um, that, um, that anybody who is, has had that experience is going to be attacked by an evil spirit. But those who do reach out for help, quite often, um, the root of their condition, um, the open door, you know, where they, uh, they in some way con- uh, consented with an evil spirit. Um, it really comes down to what they are experiencing, the, what they experienced in the family. And so um, I, I very much see that um, present in many, many cases, not only in the United States, but in other countries. Well, again, awareness is is a large part of the battle because if you're not aware or you don't believe evil exists, I mean, you really open yourself up to, to the attack. You know, later in the book, you mentioned three fundamental strategies for spiritual warfare, and you talk about the importance of scripture, spiritual authority, and the state of grace. Can you, can you talk about how those weapons can really help us against these attacks? Oh, absolutely. Those are like the foundational tripod, if you will, and they all 
work together to really empower us to proclaim Christ's victory. So, you know, the uh, responding to temptation or to ordinary or extraordinary demonic uh, attacks, um, we respond in the way that Jesus Christ responded when he was tempted in the desert, and that is by quoting Scripture. So in the book, I give many examples of scriptures that you want to memorize and quote at, immediately at the time when you are feeling attacked, whether it's in an ordinary or extraordinary way. The state of grace is a tremendous, um, uh, I would say, a protection. And um, the enemy can see, they sense, you know, whether a person is reconciled to God and whether they know their own identity in Christ. I quote that scripture about the Jewish exorcist and the sons of Siva, and how, you know, the demon said, Christ I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And so, you know, we can't come against the enemy on our own power, and um, it can't just be lip service when we say, in the name of Jesus Christ. We have to have really understand that through our baptism, our, we are identifying with Jesus Christ, and it's the Christ within us that empowers us to say no to the devil and to cast the devil away from us. So it's always Christ in us. You know, I see in this ministry anybody who really works in it, starting with the exorcist and his team, we would never say we're experts. You can't outwit the devil. I mean, the intelligence is there. But Christ in the priest, Christ working through the team, is what, you know, is able to cast a demon out and um, to proclaim Christ's victory. And then the third part of that tripod is spiritual authority, um, the fact that we're baptized, uh, so we have baptismal authority, which means we should protect ourselves, be very proactive when we are being attacked. Don't just take the fiery darts of the enemy. Stop what you're doing and exercise your baptismal authority and kick the devil out uh, by quoting scripture. And uh, so the spiritual authority of baptism, and then there's the beautiful spiritual authority that parents have for their children. It's called parental authority. They have been given, you know, that special grace by God to be very powerful intercessors for their children. So in the book, I uh, encourage and give examples of how parents should pray. It's really a, a spiritual responsibility to pray prayers of protection for their children. And um, I know in my own family, when I got into this ministry, they they pick up, now my kids were already, um, you know, in high school and college when I started with this, but, um, but still they pick it up very quickly. Uh, and, and so this authority, exercising parental authority, even after they're married, you know, parents often ask me, well, what about if my child's married? married? Well, you still, the parent, you can still intercede for your married children. And then the beautiful authority that exists between a husband and wife, the father, you know, the husband having a spiritual authority for the whole family, but by the uh, sacrament of matrimony, there is a uh, the wife has a spiritual uh, mantle also to be able to pray uh, blessing and deliverance prayers for her husband. 
Well, I, again, I think that's such a great reminder that, you know, that's part of the responsibility of being a mom and dad, a husband and wife is not only coming together, but being that united force to protect the family. And as we all know, no matter how old they get, they're still our kids because they still seem to come back or they have this or that. Uh, you know, it, it never seems to end, but especially in terms of protection, uh, it's great to have this book as a reminder, not only a reminder of what can happen, but what to do about it, right? You really do arm people with how to you how to grow in your faith and how that faith can help protect you and how that faith is so important to share. Uh, I think it's a great reminder of of what that looks like. You know, we're just down to the the last couple of minutes, but how can people follow what you're doing? How can they get this book? Um, how can they really you know really get into this and make this a part of their lives and family lives? Thank you, Deacon, for asking. I would uh, encourage your listeners to please solicit the and support uh, the beautiful Catholic publishers that we have. Sophia Institute Press, uh, the book is available there, www.sophiainstitute.com. They are selling it at the same price that Amazon.com is selling it at, but it's one way to support our Catholic publishers Again, www.sophiainstitute.com. And then on Amazon, um, it is available in a Kindle form. And then um, I think it's at many Catholic bookstores. And even I noticed Target was carrying it. So it's a, it's out there. It's a, it's very available. And um, so I encourage I mean, the people to, especially I like the appendix, uh, the appendices, uh, where there are, what, 30 or 40 pages of prayers which, you know, I took great care to receive the imprimatur and nihil obstat on the work so that these prayers can be prayed, you know, with confidence. And then I think another really great teaching tool is that I was able to share real case histories. And so you get to read, like, personal testimonies of families who went through a lot and came out victorious and what they learned, and it's all there from from their experience. No, I think that was fantastic. I mean, heck, you could almost do a prayer a day and do it every month um, because you've given so much, so much armor for people to use. Now, do you have Facebook, Twitter, anything like that so people can follow what you're doing? I am still, I have interviews through November for this. I'm still writing uh, on this, so uh, we'll see what the Lord has in store after that. All right. But yes, well, I, I have a Facebook page, Kathleen Beckman, and then um, I have a website, uh, www.kathleenbeckman.com. 